When the Israelites returned from Babylon, they couldn't just go back to normal. We find ourselves heading into a similar situation. What does God want to say to us in this season as we prepare for life after a pandemic? In After the Exile, Living for God in the New Normal, Pastor Harris will preach a series based on the books of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. This morning, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, and um, if you don't know where that is, just go to the end of the Old Testament or where the New Testament begins, and just go back two books. You'll go back to Malachi, and then you'll go back to Zechariah. And last week, I began a series of messages entitled, After the Exile, Living for God in the New Normal. After the Exile, Living for God in the New Normal. And this morning, we are in Zechariah, and I want to read for us. We're going to be looking at chapters 1 and 2, but I want to read for us from chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, down through verse number 3. And the Bible says, In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. The Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, tell the people, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And this morning, I want to bring a message that I've entitled, It's time to return home. It's time to return home. Can we pray together? Father, we do thank you so much for your word this morning. And God, I pray that you give us ears to hear what you want us to say, hearts ready to receive from you today, God, that which you want to speak into our lives. So bless, I pray, your word to us this morning. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And so again, I want to bring a message today entitled, It's Time to Return Home. And so last week, we began this series of messages by talking how at this particular time during this pandemic um, that we're in, it feels like we've all gone into exile of some sort. Life as we've known it has come to a screeching halt. Everything seems to have changed overnight. And we're all looking forward to the day when we will come out of this crisis and begin to re-engage in life. We're looking forward to the day that we come out of, we might say, exile and begin to live our lives in a more normal way, albeit maybe in a new normal. And the question that we're all asking is, well, what will happen when this crisis is over? What will life look like when we come out of exile? What will it look like for my family, in the workplace, in the church? But I think more importantly, we need to ask the question, what will it look like to live for God when we come out of exile and begin to live according to our new normal? And how can we even now, especially we who call ourselves the people of God, how can we prepare ourselves for that which is to come in the days to come? And that's what we're looking at as we look at these these books of the Bible over these next few weeks, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Because, you see, these messages were first given to the Jewish people who had just returned from their time in exile, a people who were now living in their new normal. 
And so last week, we, we began with the message that came through Haggai. And, and, and we saw how, how through Haggai, God, he, he told his people that if they, were to, if they were to experience the blessings of God, and if they were to be used by God in their days after their exile, they needed to be people of focus, that is, keeping first things first. They needed to be people of faith that is trusting God with their lives, trusting God in all things. And they needed to be people of vision, people who could begin to see their world and their lives with spiritual eyes. We see simultaneous to to Haggai's ministry was the ministry of Zechariah. And his first message, as we see here this morning, was one that came just a few months after Haggai's message was given. And it was a call for the people to turn or actually to return to God. For we read it there. God says through Zechariah, if you return to me, I will return to you. And then God gives to Zechariah a series of visions, and through them, God begins to speak of the blessings that he has for them, blessings that he wants to pour out upon them, blessings that he has for them after the exile. And God's first message through Zechariah to the people, I believe, is just basically this. Listen, people, it's time to return home. For if you will, if you will return to me, I have a household filled with blessing just waiting for you. A household filled with blessing just waiting for you. See, now someone might say, but I thought these people were already okay with God. I mean, after all, God had brought them home. That is back to the promised land, back to the land of blessing. I thought they were good with God. I thought that they were already there in God's land of blessing. But you see, here's the thing we need to consider this morning. One can be physically home, but far away in their heart. One can be in the midst of all the good things that God has to offer and yet miss out because their heart is leaning towards other things. It happens to people who sit in churches all the time, week after week, even year after year. The blessings of God's household are there, but they are missing out for they have allowed their hearts to wander towards other things. Oh, it's true that the people to whom Zechariah was preaching, they'd returned from exile. They were home, we could say, at least in a physical sense. It seems, however, that their hearts were yet wandering as seen by the fact, and we saw some of it last week in Haggai's message, but as seen by the fact that they were more interested in their physical well-being than in their spiritual well-being. They were more interested in their houses and lands than they were in the kingdom of God, even in God's house. You know, it reminds me of the story that Jesus told. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. And here was this son who was living in his father's household, surrounded by all the good things that his father had to offer him. I mean, he was physically home, physically in a place of blessing. But in his heart, in his heart, he had begun to wander away. We see, I believe that long before he got on the road to leave his father's house, long before he entered into a life of sin, long before he entered into what we might call his self-imposed exile, 
This young man was living, he was already living far from his father, for in his heart, he had already begun to stray. And today, today our question is simply this. Where are our hearts? Where are our hearts? That is, as we prepare ourselves to come out of this exile and to begin to re-engage in life, you see, right now, this is a time for us to reflect and to ask, what is it we're really looking towards? What is it we're expecting? What is it we're hoping for? You see, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what is the treasure of your heart? Have we set our hearts on things above or on earthly things, on things below? And could it be that even we who call ourselves God's people, followers of Jesus and so forth, that we have, have allowed our hearts to wander? Could it be that even as we have been home, as it, as it were, that our hearts have begun to wander? Could it be that God is calling us to return to him, that God is calling us home through all these things, even as he prepares us for the days to come, for the days after the exile? Listen, we don't have a lot of time this morning to go through Zechariah's visions in detail, but I just want to highlight to us the messages that God brings um, to his people as he describes through these visions um, the blessings that he has for his people if they would return home. It's as if he is wooing them back to himself, saying, listen, if you will return to me, if in your hearts you will come home to me, I will come to you and I will bring to you all the blessings of my household, blessings that were always meant to be yours. And so I want you to see with me today three promises, three blessings that God, God offers to his, his people who will return to him, blessings that he wants to pour out into your life and mine even today. The first is found in, in verses 7 through 21 of chapter 1, the blessing of restoration the blessing of restoration. And we have here the vision of, of the horses and the horns and really it's two visions back to back. And we read of this man or this angel on a horse speaking to Zechariah as, as a leader of, of a cavalry of angels on horses. And he says that they had been sent by the Lord to go throughout all the earth. And they've now returned to give a report of what they've seen. You can read it in all of this in detail later on today. But he says, here's the report. We've gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest in peace. And at first glance, that might sound like good news. But what it meant to Zechariah was that while the people of God were yet living their lives in shambles among the ruins, while God's people were yet in turmoil, the people of the world were enjoying prosperity and peace. In other words, the wicked were flourishing while God's people were suffering. And so we hear the cry in verse number 12, how long will you withhold mercy from Jerusalem and the towns of Judah? In other words, how long will we live our lives in ruin while the rest of the world seems to be in peace? And the answer comes back in verse number 16 and then verse 17, where the Lord says, I will return to Jerusalem with mercy and there my house will be rebuilt. And verse 17, and my towns will again overflow with prosperity and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. 
You see, God's words through this vision were meant to reassure Zechariah and the people that if they would return to him, God would work in such a way so as to restore that which the enemy had destroyed. God would work in them and through them to rebuild that which had been left in ruins. God would rebuild and restore their lives back to what they were always meant to be. As the vision goes on, the vision of the horns that, that comes, God, God is basically saying to his people, listen, don't worry about the fact that it seems that the wicked are getting away with their sin. Don't worry, I'll take care of that. Justice will be served. But in the meantime, in the meantime, God's saying, listen, in the meantime, return to me and I'll return to you to rebuild your life and restore within you that which has been destroyed. Oh, I know many of you sitting out there today that you can think of what your life was like before coming to Christ. The mess of ruins that you were in. But God has worked in your life to set you free from addiction, to heal your marriage, to undo, um, undo in your life the many years of sin. So many of us can tell stories of God's restorative work. And I want to remind us today that we serve a God who is able to restore that which the enemy has destroyed. He's a God who's able to put your life back together, bringing healing and renewed joy and renewed hope and renewed life. Pastor, Pastor Guy, as he was leading in worship, was just praying God's, God's joy and God's peace over us. That's what he can do for us. When we give our hearts and our lives to him, when we return to him, when we come home to him, he steps into our lives and he begins to rebuild and restore that which has been broken. And in the end, as we come out of exile, it's not just about getting back to work or being able to go out to eat at a restaurant, although we're all looking forward to those things. But listen, you know you need something deeper done in your life. For you need to know the restorative work of God in your life. And God just may be calling some of us to return home, to turn our hearts back to him and allow him to begin to restore our lives to what they were always meant to be. The first blessing is the blessing of restoration. But as we go on into chapter two, we read of the blessing of increase, the blessing of increase. And we have the vision of a man with a measuring line. And in this vision, Zechariah sees this man or this angel with, with, with a measuring line in hand. We, we, we would say today, you know, maybe a tape measure. And when Zechariah asked what he was going to measure, he, he's told that the, the, the angel was going out to measure the dimensions of the city of Jerusalem to determine what will be restored, how, it will, how big it will be. But immediately another angel is sent to him with a message. And the essence of the second message is this. Don't be too narrow or too limited in your measuring in how large you think this rebuilt city is going to be. Because you see, God has greater plans than you can see right now. God is going to increase the size of this city larger than you could ever imagine. Oh, in fact, Zechariah is told that the city would be so large that they wouldn't be able to build walls large enough to contain the number of people and animals that would be associated with it. And Zechariah, you see, is made aware that God has a much bigger plan in mind for his people than we could ever have imagined. 
It's like God is giving to Zechariah a new and even greater vision for his life and for his people, a vision not just for restoration of what once was, not just putting some pieces back together, but for an increase beyond what the people could have ever imagined. Oh, I want to tell us today that not only does God promise to rebuild that which was once destroyed in our lives, but he promises to bring an increase beyond anything we ever could have hoped for or expected. He promises to build something bigger in us and through us than that which, which we could ever build on our own. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 3, he speaks of to him who's able to do immeasurably more. I'll connect that with, with Zechariah's um, vision of going out to measure the city that couldn't be measured. To him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, back in Zechariah ch chapter 1, verse 17, the Lord says, my towns will again overflow, overflow with prosperity. Oh, I want to remind us, I want to tell us this morning that God wants to do something powerful both in and through our lives to take us beyond the norm of mediocrity, the norm of just putting some, some little pieces back together in our lives. For God's blessing upon our lives and is meant to have a, a spillover effect. I want to tell you today, God wants to set you free, not only from addiction, but he wants to use you to be a blessing to others as you walk in your newfound freedom. God wants to not just keep you and your wife or your husband from divorce, but he wants to make your marriage and family one that will be an encouragement and a blessing to everyone that you meet. God doesn't just want to save you from sin, but he wants to make your life a light to people around you that you might bring hope to the hopeless. Oh, listen, the plans that God has for us are so much better and so much bigger than any plans we could dream up for ourselves. God wants to bless us and use us both individually and corporately in ways that are far greater than we could ever ask for or pray for. And I'm believing that when we come out of our exile and begin to enter into our new normal, that God is going to work in us and through us in ways that go far beyond what we could ask for, ways that go far beyond what we could imagine. And thus today, God is calling to us. He's calling to some of us, maybe very specifically today, to return to him, to come home to him, to turn our hearts back to him, that, that he might bring to us the abundant life, not just life, but the abundant life, the increase that he's intended for us from the beginning. The final blessing that God has for us. Yes, the, he has so much for us. The blessing of restoration, the blessing of increase. And finally, through these, through these visions, we see the blessing of his presence. The blessing of his presence. For God says in chapter 2, verse 5, And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, and I will be its glory within. Or in verse 10, he says, listen to this, Shout and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you. I will live among you. See, God's promise to his people through Zechariah was that if they would return to him, he would live among them, 
be with them, be ever near to them. And you see, this was the greatest promise of all. For in the end, all of the blessings of God are tied to his presence at work within our lives. For you see, with his presence comes the mercy, all the mercy that we need to be saved and restored. With his presence comes his grace, his divine love, and even his protection. With his presence comes his comfort, his compassion, his provision. Most of all, with his presence comes his glory. That is the tangible evidence that God is alive and at work among his people. With his presence comes all the blessings of his household. And so whatever the future may hold for us, I know we will be able to face it knowing that God is with us. Whatever life may be like after the exile, whatever our new normal is going to look like, we will be able to move forward filled with faith and hope as long as we have the presence of God at work in our lives. In fact, over in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, there's a beautiful verse there that says this, where the Lord says, but whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. Whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. I want you to know today that God loves you, that you are the apple of his eye, that he is attracted to you, that God, God is extending himself to you. And he wants to pour out blessing, all the blessings of his household. He has them for you. And so God says, listen, if you return to me, I will return to you and and give you the blessing of my presence. And with my presence comes all these other blessings. Listen, you come to me. I will live among you. I'll be with you. I'll be ever near to you. Oh, do you need the presence of God at work in your life? I know I do especially in times like this, I need to know, God, you're with me. God, you're here to help me. God, you're going you're you're to protect me. You're going to take me through. And that comes into our lives as we turn our hearts to him, as we call upon his name, and we allow him to come and, and do what only he can do. You're going back to the story of the prodigal son. Here we have this young man who wandered far from home, Far from his father, first in his heart, and then physically, he ended up, as I said earlier, in his self-imposed exile. And the end result was a life that was in shambles. The things he thought would bring him pleasure actually stole from him his very life, leaving him even to rot among the pigs. But one day he began to realize how good he really had it back home, that even his father's servants had it better than than he had it now. And thus he turned around, first in his heart, first in his heart, he turned, leaving behind his rebellion and then getting on the road to return to his father's house. And we find as the story goes on that Jesus told that, that his father was watching and waiting and longing for the day that his son would return. And when the father saw his son coming at a distance, the father did what no noble man of the day would do. He picked up his robes and began to run towards his son to meet his son. And you see, as the son returned to the father... The father, we could say, returned to his son, meeting him not at the door to the house, 
not at the gate to the yard, but Jesus says, meeting him a long way off, down the road. And when the father got to his son, when the father returned to his son, he brought with him all the blessings of his household, for he would not receive him back as a servant, but only as a son. And we read of how the father restored his life, giving, giving to his son much more than he ever expected or felt he deserved. We read of how, how the father reinstated his son completely within his household, of how he welcomed his son back home, even with a party. And he brought his son into his house that they might live the rest of their lives together as father and son. That's exactly what God wants to do in each one of our lives. And so listen, church, those of you who are out there listening to this message this morning, as we prepare to come out of our exile and enter into what will one day be our new normal, and it's coming, but we need to make sure that our hearts are in the right place, that we have not allowed our hearts to wander far from home. For after all, the real blessings of life will not be found at, at the end of a pandemic or getting back to work or being able to go to a restaurant or a park. Yes, I look forward to those things. I know you do. But that's not where the real blessing is found. But the real blessing, the real blessing is found in living our lives with God as our Heavenly Father, as His sons and daughters within His household, living in relationship with the one who calls us the apple of His eye and experiencing the blessings that He has for us. He wants to restore your life. He wants to give you increase. Most of all, He wants to bring His presence into your life. So I ask you today, where is your heart? Where is your heart? Have you wandered away in your heart? Well, today God calls to us saying, return to me and I'll return to you. He's calling us. He's calling us to come home. Will you bow your heads with me as I lead us in prayer? And wherever you are right now, maybe before I pray, you just want to pray your own prayer. Maybe ask the Holy Spirit to help you examine your heart. Are you at home in your heart, in relationship with God, your Heavenly Father, experiencing all that He has for you? Or have you allowed your heart to wander? Today, He's calling each one of us to check our hearts with the help of His Holy Spirit. And if in any way we've begun to wander and to say, Lord, today I'm coming home. I'm coming back to you because, Lord, I know what I really need in life for this life and for the life to come is only found in you. And through what you have offered to me through the giving of your son, Jesus Christ. And today, if you need him in your life, I just invite you to just pray a simple prayer saying, God, 
Would you forgive me of my sin, of the ways I've pushed you out of my life, of the way I've, I've wandered so far from you? Maybe you've been living far from his household for so many years. Today, God, would you forgive me? And today I put my faith in all that you've offered to me through the giving of your son, Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. Today I give my life to following you, to living in your household and experiencing all the blessings that you have for me. Father, right now I pray for your people. God, I know that this has been a very difficult time for so many of us. But God, today, as we find ourselves in this place, Lord, we just sense that this is a time that you're giving to us to check our hearts, to make sure that we've not wandered too far. And even to return home back to you in our hearts, that you would return to us. And Lord, I pray for those who need restoration in their life, your work of restoration. God, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy and bring, bring, and bring all kinds of destruction and put our lives into ruins. And some of us know what that's like. But God, today, I pray for your healing power, for your restoring power at work within people all over today. God, God, not only that, but I pray for your people today in increase, an increase of joy, of peace, an increase of your of, 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 of your blessing, God, that such that it could not be contained, but will spill out of our lives and will have a great effect, God, upon those all around us, people who find themselves so hopeless, but there would be this spillover effect, God, because you have done something great and powerful, something more than we could ever imagine. And most of all, God, I pray for your presence to be at work among your people, that we would know that you live among us, that you are with us, that in the hard times, even such as we're facing now, and in the good times, but God, you're there with us, and all that we really need is found, is found in your presence. So bless your people today. We hear you saying to us, return to me, and I will return to you. And so we respond to your word today in faith. Amen.